Now entering Nerdist.com. The ATX Television Festival is always a wonderful experience, and Season 6, which was held June 8th through 11th this year, 2017, was no exception. As usual, Austin was the place to be for TV fans who got panels and programming of current series like The Americans, Bajillion Dollar Properties, and The Mick, reunions of Northern Exposure, Battlestar Galactica, the shows of Linda Bloodworth Thomason, and others, and panels on topics ranging from first gigs and big breaks to TV under Trump. I'm going to bring you recordings of a whole lot of these panels, and today's episode is one of them. ATX itself is putting up video of many of the events, and you can find those at atelevisionexperience.com. They'll also soon offer podcasts, both ones you'll find here and recordings exclusive to the ATX podcast feed at atelevisionexperience.com slash podcasts. Check that out in the coming months. In the meantime, first of all, go get tickets to Season 7 of ATX Television Festival. It's June 7th through 10th, 2018. And as usual, it'll be a special TV experience. And now, enjoy today's episode. to see such a full room. Thank you so much for coming to this panel. This year's festival, we really leaned into TV camp and what's better at TV camp than friendships and relationships. And we felt that romantic relationships had been explored a lot on television. So has friendships, but they don't get talked about that much. And so we've got this really great panel talking about female friendships, male friendships, all different kinds. So I'd like to bring out your moderator, Jarrett Weisselman from BuzzFeed. How are you guys doing? Excellent. Thank you so much. It's such a beautiful audience. I'm very excited about this panel uh, because, you know, here's the thing. Friends are the family you choose, right? These are the people we have in our lives, not for biology, but because we want them there. And no medium, frankly, is more equipped to tell these stories than television. You can have eight episodes, 12 episodes, 22 episodes. You get to live with these people in a way that I think film and the theater really doesn't afford, frankly. And so, you know, I think you have to think about what these people are without one another. What is Buffy without Willow? What is Lorelai without Rory? What is Leslie without Ron? You know, these are the people (laughs) that make our lives better. And frankly, the five people we have coming out have written some of my favorite friendships on television. So please help me welcome Jennifer Caitlin Robinson, who created Sweet Vicious. Oh, so good. Next, please, guys, give it up for Mara Brock-Akeel, creator of Girlfriend, The Game, Being Mary Jane. I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to recommend an entry from up here. Excellent. Next, we have two women whose comedy is unsurpassed, best friends, IRL, on screen, Jennifer St. Clair and Lennon Parham. (laughs) 
Thank you. All right. And last but not least, guys, please keep it going for the wonderful Kevin Falls. All right. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here today. And now we're all best friends, and we have a locket we'll share. Um, I want to start by asking all of you this question. Who are some of your favorite best friend characters on television that you have not written? Jennifer, I'll start with you. You cause... said three of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Seth Cohen and Ryan Atwood. You're playing to the crowd real well yeah. at this festival, by the way, just from the jump. What was it about their friendship that really struck you? What's funny is as I was kind of making Sweet Vicious, I went back and rewatched The O.C., and I was like, oh, I did this friendship because Jules is Ryan Atwood and Ophelia is Seth Cohen. <laughs> I was like, I just made these people women, <laughs> so they're better now. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just when I thought I couldn't love Sweet Vicious anymore, it's just an OC retelling. Uh, Mara, what about you? Gosh, oh, I wasn't ready for these kind of questions right <laughs> off the bat. But, and, and then I, and I don't want to age myself. Um, I guess the gray hair already did that. But in, um, I, I really loved a different world. I remember just, and, and the various types of friendships, that there were, you know, the pairings between the ladies, and then, of course, you know, the romantic relationship that was also, but it was rooted in a friendship. Mm -hmm. And so... I, that mix, I can eat that up all day. So different world. I mean, and all the you know the forehander, the Golden Girls. I mean, come on, designing women like all of those sort of they the 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 the, um, the chatter, the pattern, the rhythm, the the safety, the all of those that this is jazz hands. That's, that's okay. <laughs> and that's what's fun to me. Just yeah. the. Um, the honesty and the, the knowing and the shorthand and trying to get that language and that rhythm and that honesty right, I think, has, has also sort of resonated with me and I think why I do what I do. Absolutely. Lennon? Uh, <laughs> honesty resonating. I like that. Um, Laverne and Shirley. I mean, oh, we, yeah. we just, wow. we, yeah. we're, we will date ourselves as well, but um, there is an episode that we watched on repeat uh, called Betty, well, we call it Betty Please. It's where the, they go to work in a diner. <laughs> and then Laverne, Shirley is the waitress, and Laverne is the chef, Is the chef, but she, the keeps, short order cook. she keeps going over the loudspeaker, going, Betty, please pick up for Betty. <laughs> and finally this season, we worked me doing, you know, paging somebody over a loudspeaker <laughs> like that. But literally, you must Google this, because it's insane. It's um, amazing. She, like, just throws a whole chicken on a pan. I don't know. Like, there's something so beautiful about the simplicity of, like, just two women getting themselves into some insane scrape. By you know? accident, I Googled ourselves, and I found by a very accident. unkind... How does, how does that by happen by accident? accident. There was an unkind article written in which the woman's, like... And it was a woman. She goes, and how dare they? They're both the same. And she that's said, and they no, shouldn't be the most. She goes, it's like watching Laverne and the other Laverne. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how we cut. That's what I call I said, her now. And I I'm said, like, come on, other Laverne. I was in the like, car. Like nobody wants to be Shirley. Who doesn't want to watch two Lavernes? Right? 
double L's all the time. Laverne and I mean, she had a straight up L on every shirt she wore. She did. And a cat with an L, right? Didn't she have a stuffed cat? I'm sure she did. And her love interest was that amazing Italian guy who's just like pizzeria. Like, it's just like. Everything. Also, Google the episode where they they <laughs> submit themselves to medical testing. One of oh, them yeah. surely has to stay up all night. No, or Laverne surely doesn't eat, and Laverne has to stay up all night. And then they yeah. go to a mixer. It was all to raise money, so that they could a, go on a, a so they could go mixer. to a singles mixer to meet the man of their dreams. But oh that's my the kind God. of shit. We come into a writer's room and I'm just like, okay, we We're, do that, like some stupid scrape. Like we end yeah, up yeah. dancing with drag queens and then we figure out how and why. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Kevin, what about you? Favorite friendships? I think I'm on the wrong panel. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I talked to Caitlin and I go, are you sure about this one? Um, I could just sit and watch you guys. Friends, Sopranos, and The Wire. Can't go wrong. Next question. (laughs) Well, I want, you know, the interesting thing all of you are talking about is the relationships that stand out to us over time are ones where the actors share a chemistry that feels incredibly authentic. I mean, as all creators who have been in audition rooms and looked for people for those things, I mean, is it... Is it possible to even explain how essential the chemistry of your two lead slash best friends are? Oh, it's completely essential, but the interesting thing I remember, um, let's just say girlfriends. It was once Trace Ellis Ross walked into the room. First of all, Regina King was was the prototype. So I was looking for that physically. I was looking for that. Just, I was looking for that, and then it wasn't, I couldn't find it. So chemistry also is about the chemistry of the piece and of the moment, and I sort of trust that a lot. And so anyway, Tracy comes in and nailed it, and then suddenly, all these, a couple of other auditions, sort of, then the puzzle, I, I kind of think about show running or creating something as a puzzle, well, the show running part, the putting the planning part, the execution part. So then I was like, oh wait, Golden Brooks. She read for, she actually read for Tony's role. I was like, no, 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 bring her back in for mine. And so I did start hearing, God, my hands, I just discovered something about myself. <laughs> but anyway, that's kind of how I put it together. I, I started to hear it. So it is a chemistry thing, but it's also a chemistry about the piece. And so I guess I, um, in my other life, I was a jazz band director. <laughs> I, was, I was Duke Ellington. How about that? Um, but anyway, it was, so I do think that that chemistry was there. And I think even, so then in the process that was fun, when you put it, when you put it up on its feet and you know what it's supposed to be, it does take the massaging of the writers to find, to help them find the voice that they can deliver for the chemistry. And, and, but that was built that's built in the process of the acting that I always appreciated and loved, how they were finding these moments and, and the trust and the back and forth. And I always love when, the, when we go to run-throughs, which seems less and less in, in, in television these days, but uh, when we would do the run-throughs and then we would, the writers would come back and I could feel the energy of the writers jazzed. And so they knew how, sort of what notes to play to help those moments. 
And then it just sort of takes on a life of its own. And, um, but you still got to keep your eye on it because you also don't want it to go stale. Right. And, you know, the, anyway, that's my comment on chemistry. <laughs> We kind of do it backwards because we came from improv. So when we write, we can't, it terrifies us to sit in front of a blank screen. So we act it out, we record ourselves. And that's how we capture the way that we like finish each other's sentences. But we also cast everyone, all, every, almost everyone on our show is someone that we already know and have performed with for years. And we've written the part <clears throat> with them in mind. Yeah, and then so... we just hope they're available. True, truly. It's and true. then they come and then they can make it their own too, but it's already sort of in their voice ahead of time and we already know how we play with them. So it's like, yeah, everyone it just makes the... it really... <clears throat> way easier for us because we know, you know, we're not sort of like looking for a diamond in the rough almost. At the UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater where we learned how to be comedians, there's like a concept of like the game. What is the game of the scene? And that's basically like what's the unique thing in this, that the odd thing in this scene that makes it funny. And each, and actually two performers have a game too. So Lennon and I are always playing the game of Maggie and Emma, but it's really just how Lennon and I are. You know, I mean, I'm walking around like I'm, I'm drunk. I mean, I don't know where... If it went for Lennon, I wouldn't have never arrived here. She's just like... <laughs> That's all true. Yeah. What can I say? So, like, when we have somebody on who's, like, like Rob Riggle, his game was always the guy who played um, somebody... Uh, anyway, a woodworker who's... An oversexed woodworker. Work, wood he's been working. doing that bit for since we were 21. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what's interesting, Kevin, I want to ask you, because I think there's also an expectation with the title of a show sometimes. I mean, something you saw probably with Girlfriends, something you guys probably saw with Best Friends Forever, which you probably also saw on Franklin and Bash. I mean, do you feel like there's a extra impetus and sort of expectation on a friendship when it's literally the title of your show? Uh, Yes, for sure. Um, I was thinking of what you guys were saying, and I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you do it, especially the improv people, is that you start with it on the page, right? And then you, you get to cast your actors, and then they bring something that gets it to the next level. And if they trust the script, which they clearly do because you guys are great writers, then they start to go, well, can I do this here? Can I, can I now, like, improvise? How about this line? And for what was great about Mark, Paul, and Brecken is that they were um, very respectful of what was on the page. So a lot of their improv would be around, along, the ev- along the edges, but always would, would serve a story. But yeah, when you have the title characters, and it was a two-hander, that was the only two-hander I think I've ever done. Yeah. But I've had other shows where the chemistry was just as important. Yeah. Um, but it was weird to have a chemistry read between two men yeah. and, and you're looking for, and we did that and Mark Paul and Brecken didn't know each other and we had the chemistry read but you're looking for the same things you'd be doing with a woman and a man you, it's, it's something about them that you you kind of need them to fall in love with each other and they, they did it very well so it made it a lot easier to write for the title as a characters what's interesting Jen, you know that you had to contend with with Sweet Vicious which I don't think anyone else did on this panel is your best friends are not best friends in the pilot we watch them really come together yes I mean how difficult is it to show the origins of a friendship I think it's, it's all it's just about the chemistry I mean in the the audition scenes that the girls had to do they read the scene for anyone that has seen the show they uh, there's a scene in 
um, a basement where they are not friends. Um, Jules, the character who is a vigilante, um, and Ophelia, the character, this kind of weed dealer that has been stalking her and trying to unmask her, uh, comes to a party and Jules takes her downstairs and puts a knife to her throat and is like, get out of here. Um, and then there's also a scene at the end of the pilot where they come together after they murder someone. Um, uh, and y'all, y'all went to college. As you know what that's like. As do. Yeah. So um, We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. Listen. Shit, I straight up murdered that person. Yeah. <laughs> Can you help if, me out? If you haven't murdered someone with your best friend, are they your best friend? Um, uh, and that's when you really see them come together. And we read a lot of young women. A lot, a lot, a lot. And there was something that I, I found and I thought was really interesting was they were all mean. They were being mean to each other. And in building that friendship and in building a friendship that doesn't start as best friends, it's like, they're not mean. They just don't know each other. They're not mean. And I, to me, I kind of stepped back and I was like, well, what are we putting out there for young girls that every young actress coming in here thinks she has to be a bitch to the other one? And so that was really interesting to me. Um, But these two women, Taylor Dearden and Eliza Bennett, the minute they tested together, it was like, oh, there's the show. And until that moment, I thought I was a bad writer. I thought the show sucked. I was like, this is not going to go anywhere. This is terrible. Because until you find the anchor that kind of like puts the boat in place, it's just all over the place. Um, So that was something that was so important. And I think in building a friendship that doesn't start as cemented best friends, it's finding the love beneath not knowing each other mm-hmm. and that chemistry beneath that, which they, which I mean, they have in spades and we got very lucky finding them. Absolutely. It's a sort of a challenge that the two of you don't really face as much because you write for yourselves and you've yeah. put yourselves in these positions to be the best friends on we screen. Can't, we can't do saying? anything else. <laughs> no. That's it. I'm saying I'm this so This is glad. it. This is our contribution. That's not true. There's nothing we else. We are on other people's shows, and not we are also funny me. on those. I don't, there's nothing else here. That's Peel not it back, true. the onion, and you'll get more onion. Here's, it's true. Yeah, but other cool parts of the onion, like a sweeter part, right? <laughs> like the sweet, That's soft sweet. center. Ew. Come on, man. I wanna, you know, it's interesting. When, um, when I did Girlfriends, it was I wanted to explore the layers of friendship that I didn't feel was always hitting the mark. And if I'm being quite honest... Girlfriends was almost like a documentary, like, hey, black girls are friends too, because Sex and the City was like the hot thing. And I wanted to, and then we kept being called the black Sex and the City. But my, my take on it was that Joan and Tony were actually Carrie and Big. If you really go back and look at their whole relationship, they're Carrie and Big. And the question is, which is why I think it's a little heartbreaking not to have had the ending, is because Jill Marie Jones in a business setting really did leave the show. and it actually, to me, only helped. We just didn't get that ending. Where the game, which was interesting when we did the spinoff of that, none of the women were friends. And so when I realized, I was like, what kind of friendship am I talking about here? And it really was about a sorority that uh, um, in the spirit of this, everyone's coming to this friendship for a, I mean, they're coming to this, they're, they're together because of football. Mm-hmm. They're not, no, they wouldn't, that's the only interest that they have, but it's very high stakes, so the friendship can fall apart at any point. The money's bad or the, you know, football is not right. And so that was a lot of fun once I sort of like, you know, in that sense, you're like, yeah, spin off business, let's do this. Yeah, that'd be fun. Football, 
friends. It'll be just girlfriends with football. But really, you have to, you, I did have to figure that part out so that there was a difference. So it is fun finding friendships. And the Wendy Raquel Robinson role, Tasha Mack, and Brittany Daniel, Kelly, um, Kelly Pitts, what I love about their friendship is it was built upon race. And it was built upon bashing each other. It was built upon not liking each other because of the positions on the team. It was built, I'm not to like you, you know. And it was one of the, and I just knew if I had enough time, I think people would love that and that anchored relationship almost more than the obvious sort of Tia Maori's character who, two black women liking each other, you know. And, and but also, it was that was a lot of fun to explore the age difference, the you know the like-mindedness, and um, using race that I think America and television is so afraid of to show. If you just talk about it, even in the the bad stuff, you actually will create great intimacy and friendship. For sure, I mean I love the idea, you know, the foundation that these friendships are predicated on across the board. But I'm actually curious for. Jennifer and Lennon, I mean, your real-life friendship, what was that predicated upon? When did you two fall in friend love with one another? <laughs> well, what was kind of interesting is we, we became best friends while writing about being best friends. Because when we... So Lennon came out to L.A., and we knew each other at the UCB because we were there were not that many women there. Um, there weren't at the time. There are a lot more now. Yeah, there are a lot now, but there was like a handful. We didn't and So there was like together. one woman on each team, kind of, you right. know? And we would look longingly at each other, but never get to touch. <laughs> yeah. And so then, then she moved out to L.A., and, you know, and, and I started to stalk her as somebody, as one does, yeah. if you set your sights on somebody. We touch all the time friend. now, just yeah. FYI. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, she but, literally sits on top of me when we're writing. Yep. Like when we get, she can't That's be. Right. She needs to be touching me, and That's I'm right. typing, and she's just like going, "Go up, go up," and I'm like, "Back off, man!" Yeah, yeah, poor thing. Um, <laughs> but but uh, we started writing together, and we wrote our first series, BFF, and we were, but we we weren't we weren't as close. I mean, now we live inside of each other's bodies. It's like. <laughs> Just a weird way to say it. (laughs) It's too close, you know. It's like the it's like the movie Face Off, which I never saw. Not at all like that. It's not at all like that, that. right? Doesn't he like peel somebody's face off and wear it as their own, and then like see life through their eyes? That's what I feel like. Lennon and I ish ish. You're 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 close. Yeah, sounds terrifying. In the world of that, but no, but we did. We the process of being work wife and yeah. we became close but then I go and get fucking cancer and I'm like wait spoiler alert <laughs> spoiler alert and this one she's good she's all right now I'm all right but I get the call and I text Lennon I have cancer <laughs> which is and I'm not like, a text you want and I'm like where are you she, no she you text it's cancer it's cancer and I said then, where are you and she's like I'm good and I'm like bitch where are you <laughs> So I was like, I'm going to the doctor, but please don't put yourself out. I was like, don't come. I'm fine. What? You're fine. So then I show up. You know, the rest is history. But like when you go through something like that, then it takes, it keeps, I mean, friendship, it is when you're writing for, especially female friendships, I feel like it is very romantic. Mm -hmm. You do fall in love with each other and then you get pissed off because this thing happened or they weren't listening about this. 
or they weren't seeing to your needs or touching you enough or whatever. And then... It's never and enough. Then, you, you make up and you go to Baja Fresh or wherever, you know. Always getting a shrimp taco. <laughs> Probably gave me cancer. And then it gets deep. <laughs> just kidding. JK, I love that place. JK, I said. I said JK. But oh it my goes, God. but that's not going to fit in the quote. Yeah, but here's the deal. <laughs> it goes in cycles. So you get deeper and then you kind of need a break sometimes, and then you come back to each other. I never need a break, but all right. She doesn't need a break. I need a break. <laughs> Let's be honest. You don't ever stop moving. Nope. Um, you know, you got to take care of do yourself. You, do you guys have lesbian fan fiction? I think I, I wish. wish. I've, yeah. I've written no, a ton. No, Google yeah. Jared, Jared's uh, no, read this is something I'm new to, and we had a lot of it for Sweet Vicious, and oh, a lot yes. of people on the internet who yelled at me, and they were like, just make them make them love each other. Like, why won't they? Like, we're gonna stop watching your show. And I was like, oh god. I was, yeah. So I, as you talk about like female friendships and and being close and the romantic. Yeah. Well, when you're portraying a woman as close as she is to another woman without it being physical, you know, I mean, it it does like people who haven't had that relationship. They they Maybe want you to make out yeah. because yeah. they're like, how can you be that intimate with someone and then not go f? You know, yeah, right. it's like, well that that I conversation. I had out with Lennon once in BFF. Not I had really. to show her what a kiss was, whether it was like a friendship kiss or was this, and her lips. I changed my mind. This is a great panel. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> like the underside of a baby chick. It's so soft. And I so sexual, right? And I said, whoa. And Lennon, you said, don't fall in love with me. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's I'm, not appropriate. I'm just laughing because literally on my list, my next question was asking the two of you what friend boundaries you've had to set for one another. <laughs> And it's very clear that those don't exist. Lennon picked. They do exist. Lennon they straight have up to picked exist. my boobs, and I just told, talked about this, so it's boring if okay, anyone's it is heard boring. this. They're gonna see it also in episode five. Come she on, she picked man. my implants. I had to pick what felt most like my boobs, and they gave me a suitcase of boobs. And Lennon and my husband came over, and I didn't know what they felt, like, and then my husband poked the side of it, and I said, "Get the fuck out of here!" And then I said, "Lennon, get in here!" And she, she just felt each through each one and then said it's number two. Why does she know my own boobs more than my own? I, I just don't know. literally felt them moments before. It's not like I'm but always it was like getting a up sense in your memory. Rack. I know, but I felt like it was more of a sense it memory wasn't a for you. Sense memory. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. That's your dream. That's your dream. There are boundaries in every healthy friendship. I mean, what, what would they you may say not, yours are? They may not be the boundaries that we, uh, we other people have. <laughs> but, like, she's not allowed to call me or text me after 10 p.m. unless it's an emergency. Okay. Whatever. Because, again, she never stops breathing. You know, she never stops moving and texting and, and buying, you know, nude swimsuits. So, there, you know, you have... To, there, there, it's like, okay, this is mine. This is yours. We have to have some separation. We have our own husbands. We have our own homes. <laughs> We live far, you know, about as far away in L.A. as you can live from each other. Um, we meet in the middle to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the weekends. We don't work on and the weekends. And our ch- children are best friends. Our little girls. That's true. So, 
next generation of Playhouse. Um, We're going to open it up to audience questions in a minute, but I want to ask each of you this, and Kevin, I'll start with you. I mean, what is it that as a writer you enjoy writing about friendships? Wow. You know, it's, there's so much pressure, depending on the show, to serve us a story each week. You guys, we have to always like, get a story area in, have to get an outline in. So I kind of put that front and center. If you have really strong characters, you have a way in to, to, to telling the story. But um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tricky question um, and that I don't have an answer for, so let's just throw it back to these guys. No, no, no. But, that, but it actually, uh, and we're going to loop back around to this, but I want to ask, I mean, do you find that when you have a show that is not about a friendship but has a friendship prominent in it, that you have to set rules for that friendship, like they can't ever become too adversarial, they always have to have one another's backs, or are those sort of the fun shades you get to play with the friendships? Uh, yes, Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's funny that I'm going to go way back to, like, West Wing, which somebody won. I was just going to bust that out because you guys are killing. (laughs) If you just listed your IMDb, the room would go nuts, Kevin, just so you know. (laughs) I'm like Steph Curry from 45 feet now, just throwing launch at people. Um, Go Warriors. Um, Somebody once said about the West Wing is that and it was somebody in Washington back in the heyday of the show uh, that said really all of the West Wing was was the Brady Bunch because at the end they would all bicker but they'd all be friends at the end. There was never like a cliffhanger where somebody was cheating on somebody. Yeah. So that was, that, that's the, the story that jumped to mind, the show that jumped to mind where there was rules. Mm-hmm. Like Aaron just made sure that everybody like stayed in their lanes. You could have your conflict and we all need that. And, but at the end of the day, these people love each other and they love their country. And so that was, that's the only rule that comes to mind. But there's, there's rules that, you know, especially if you create it, that you impart to a writer's room where you kind of go, they wouldn't do that. And sometimes you can't even say why, right. except for you just know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that must happen for you guys a lot because the characters are so close to you yeah. that you must have a, I can't tell you why, but like that would just would not happen. Yeah. Yeah, and we have... Microphone. We have a writer's room that's been with us for a little while. So, like, it took the first season, maybe, where we were sort of figuring that out. And now when we come into the room and we, we've, you know, been working on a draft or improvising, they make it better. They're mm-hmm. like, what if this happened? And we'd be like, yes, that's amazing. So that's been a dream because it used to just only live it here. And it felt like a lot of pressure on us to get that out and to keep getting better. But now that we've been working with these amazing this amazing team whom which we could not do it uh, without, it's, it's, so, it's so nice. We, have, we also often, like, reference iconic scenes of, like, like we've, we've brought up the Carrie and Miranda, then don't you go to Paris with him mm-hmm. fight, like, so many times. Because it's like, yes, they're fighting, but it's because they love each other so much. But yet, that is a real breaking point for them, you know? Uh, or when she calls home from Paris and she sees the girlfriend. I mean, that's so, we'll, we'll constantly draw in like really wonderful moments that, because we all consume best friend TV mm-hmm. and movies as much as we possibly can at all times. Yeah. Bridget Jones' diary, love it. <laughs> 
Well, Mar, I want to ask oh. you because, you know, you have done really interesting things with the friendships you've portrayed on screen. I mean, Girlfriends, yes, as you were saying, yeah. was a comedy, but, like, there was also a lot of drama in there. And the relationships on Being Married Jane were also extremely rooted in, I think, what they're talking about, yeah. sort of like the... I'm mad at you because I love you so much. Right. What about that angle of friendships interests you in writing? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I think this will play to that part of the mm-hmm. question as well. I was thinking about the friendship. I do enjoy stretching. And with girlfriends, I stretch with an affair. Like, you know, Tony tried to sleep with Joan's man. And I, I, remember, I remember the network asked for something salacious. I remember them saying, we need something big for the end of the first season. And I was like, I was like, I can't just have, you know, I remember, like, you know, like a fight. I was like, this is before reality television, by the way, where women are fighting all the time, especially black women are fighting all the time. I was like, I'm not putting that image out there, like, just because you need ratings or this becomes. But I sat with it. I remember saying, could I do that? And it's funny, I think the writer in me looks for the challenge. If I could really believe Yes, people do have fights, but do I want to put it on TV and leave it on TV, leave it in that bottle for people to revisit over and over again, examine, get into their psyche, their DNA, whatever that is. I'm like, but I figured out how to do it in a way that I wanted to do it. And, and, what it, was, and it actually turned out to be a really great start to a second season. And the exploration of the links that, and it was funny, and at the core of that love Tony was so afraid of Joan getting what she wanted because if she got what she wanted, why would she want her? Mm. And that really was the, the underneath. And then the fun part was how do you get them back together? Then I also got to do something I wanted to do on television, which is explore faith and, and other things that are part of our lives that typically don't get to live in TV very long or for very, for, in a very impactful way. With Being Mary Jane... I wanted to stretch it further because it's my first sort of swing of just being in a drama that I can talk about the things I want to talk about. And I took that friendship. What is it like being the friend to someone who has mental illness? And we took it all the way to suicide. And it was sort of like um, I was scared, but that's like I think then that's where I should be living if I'm scared. And it helped me to really try to figure it out. And I think the impact that it had, just my IG you know, alone, the Twitter alone, the emails I got, the letters we got, that it created a space on television for people to sort of enter into that space and be okay to maybe even have that conversation or let out about their demons or whatever those sort of things were. And so I think it's imperative... I think in these relationships that are really most meaningful to us, love relationship, friend relationships, family, and all these relationships, they can have dynamics of lover, friend, blah, blah, blah. But I think, I think if we're doing it right, we are keep digging, you know what I'm saying? Where, where does our capacity to love and accept each other and the range of that exist? And I think maybe we do that right, maybe we could do that, maybe just, you know, this is, you know, then maybe that could sort of spread out into the psyche of us as human beings and the way we treat each other and live. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally hearing what you're saying, too, because I think the difference between watching friends go through something and watching romantic partners go through some, traditional romantic partners go through something is 
you relate to the friendship struggle so much. And Jennifer, I would imagine this is something you saw with Sweet Vicious because, I mean, first of all, that was such an urgent show and it had two lead characters who were engaged in a conversation that we need to be having more and we need to be having louder and we need to be having on more television shows. And, I, you know, like what Mara is saying, the reaction to the way the audience sort of metabolized Jules and Ophelia's quest to fix this campus had to be incredibly heartening for, for you. It was, it was insane. It was so incredible. And it brought together, the show brought together a community of yeah. people that I felt lucky to be a part of. Um, because it, it, there were so many people that didn't feel alone or felt seen or people that didn't understand what was going on that now understood it. People that had a friend that, went, that, that was sexually assaulted that couldn't relate to it, watched the show and could. Parents were watching it with their children. Um, and I, as we were making it, I was really scared. Um, I was really scared because like, if this doesn't work and if people feel like I'm trying to exploit their story or take their story and put it on screen for my gain, I, I would be, I mean, I would crumble. I would feel so terrible. Um, so the way that people embraced the show and, 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 you know, the community of survivors that felt seen because of the show was everything to me and was everything I, I ever could have wanted. And it was important to us as we were making it, um, like Mara was saying, is you know, there were things that the network wanted or things that we could have done where the women, and not just Jules and Ophelia, but all of the women, the women in the sorority, they, we never wanted it to come from a mean place. Because I think that the idea that women have to be mean to each other starts young and is perpetuated on television a lot. And I think if you're a young woman and all you watch is women, is the cool girl is the mean girl, and she's super pretty, and she looks a certain way, and she is this way... That's what you believe, and that bleeds into you growing up, and that bleeds into who you become as a person. And I think that if I think I'm so proud to be on a stage with all of these people who, I mean, the West Wing, like, uh, oh my God, <laughs> like, I mean, it was you all watch- me. Yeah, <laughs> Aaron Sorkin did nothing. He just yeah. typed. He did nothing. He did nothing. Um, but I think that, you know, female and male friendship, I think that it's all, I think if we can, if everything can come from a place of love and a place of, I don't, I don't understand you, but I would like to, and that's something we always tried to do on the show and and was really important to us on the show, uh, I, I do think we can, we can push conversations forward. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite things about ATX is the people who attend it are some of the smartest television fans I've ever met. So I'm just going to open this up to you guys now because I'm sure your questions are better than mine. So just raise your hand if you have a question. And yeah, why don't we start right here? Uh, is there a mic situation that needs to happen? I got you. I got you. This is like Donahue. Um, Old school. <laughs> Uh, this is actually just more for Jen specifically, but Defying Gravity scene was just like, that was the moment I was like, this is a different show. This understands female friendship and like the intricacies of it and like how you can, you know, not know somebody that well and, and just in the nature of being a woman, you can build this connection over just kind of the silliest thing. So I was wondering how that came about. Was it in the original script before you shot? Like, how did you choose a song? I, so I was, 
it was, I think I, I had like two days before I had to turn in the pilot script to MTV, like locked pilot script, to be in contention for the pilot to be made. And I was driving down Sunset Boulevard and I just had my iPhone or pod or whatever it was at the time, I don't know, on shuffle and Defying Gravity came on and I was like, oh my God, what if this came on with a dead body in the trunk? <laughs> and, then, and then I was really listening to the words and I was like, oh, this is everything that these women are going through separately. And if we can see that in this moment and we can see that they both feel this way completely separate from each other for completely different reasons, but that they have this together and then if they're singing this with a dead body in the trunk, I was like, this feels right to me. So I called, I called the head of scripted at MTV. I like, didn't call the producers. So I was like, I don't want anyone to say, like, I want to just, I'm just going to do this. So I called the head of scripted at MTV. I was like, hi. I was like, uh... I have like a, a scene that I'd like to add and she's like okay what is it and I was like um when they are driving to the bar with the dead guy like what if they sang a song and she's like like they sang a song and I was like yeah and she's like what's the song and I was like Defying Gravity and she was like you know what we can try it. <laughs> um, and it ended up being like the, the be- I mean, my favorite moment probably in the series. And uh, it was the moment when we shot the pilot when we were on that process trailer. It was like four in the morning. And these girls, yeah. <laughs> and these girls were just belting their hearts out. And I was like, oh, this is, this is the show. This is the show. That, I felt that. I saw that. Thank you. Uh, we're just going to make a microphone situation happen. Tremendous. Hi, thank you. Hi, I'm Megan Rosen, and I have a question for Kevin. Um, I was wondering if you could... <laughs> Sorry, yes. I was wondering if you could speak to the difference, if any, between um, heterosexual male-female friendships and such as on pitch and that element of sexual tension that often arises. Yes, right. um, Compared to something like Franklin and Bash where you've got heterosexual male-male. You know, like I said before, there is is a similarity between Mark Paul Breck and, by the way, who also kissed (laughs) on on that show. Um, it's, It's very similar. It has to, almost has to be in some ways. It's, it's un, unrequited. Um, I think when it really clicks, at least between two men. With uh, Mark Paul and Kylie on pitch, mm-hmm. from the get-go, we wanted that to be the case mm-hmm. because you wanted that to be underlying their relationship. Right. But and we're talking about rules earlier. That was one where we, we, we didn't want to cross the line. I don't know if people watched the show, but there was when we got yeah, to the ninth episode like, where ah. you kind of walk... They're walking very close, but we always... At one point, Dan Fulgeman, who co-created the show, wanted them to kiss. And as the season... And that was very early on. As the season progressed, everybody thought, you know, this is, this is going to feel like a bad idea. And so we didn't. Well, they um, had that, like, moment where you're there, yeah, like, the brush, uh, right. psych. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and did it add an extra layer, given that she's in a man's world? Yes. And her kind of putting on masculine energy at times? Wait, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, just in... 
did it complicate the layer of a friendship in that she had the added element of being the only woman in yeah. this space? Yes. I mean, she had to... Her whole thing was, I want to fit in, mm-hmm. right? But I think in one of the episodes, at some point, we all acknowledged the seventh or eighth episode, one of the, the teammates say, has anybody noticed she's gorgeous? <laughs> And we didn't, we didn't want to run away from that, but we wanted, that was actually great. The fact that we earned that she wanted to fit in, that she was never flirty, made her in some way that much more desirable because you respected that, and it mm-hmm. kind of broke, Paul, broke down Mark Paul's character. That's very interesting. Thank yeah. you. But, but thank you. Thank you for the question. I'll pay you later. Hi, my name's Mark, and this question's for Jen about Sweet Vicious. Um, I actually got a, um, a hold of the original pilot script from a friend, and it was called Little Darlings, correct? Well, there are a lot of original pilot scripts. How it did was, it start? Um, <laughs> Is she running on campus, or did you I, yes. get the original original? I think, I think it's she's running on campus, because okay. it had just been announced <laughs> that it was picked up when I had got it. Yes. But um, just having that context, um, I'm really fascinated to know, since there were a lot of iterations of the script, you know, how did their relationship evolve? And I don't know if you'll be continuing the show in some capacity in, like, a different medium, because I know it's no longer on MTV. Um, R.I.P. I know, R.I.P. How, how, what was your five-year goal for their relationship I don't want to spoil anything, though. Um, I mean, let's do it. Uh, (laughs) um, So the original, the reason that you read that version is because I wrote an hour spec pilot. The girls were 25, 26, and it flashed into their origin origin story in college. MTV bought the show. They said, we just want college. Make it a half hour. So I turned an hour into a half hour. We shot a half hour pilot, and they were like, make it an hour. So what you read, the original half-hour pilot starts with Ophelia dead-ending into Jules in the alleyway. And I remember when I watched the first director's cut, I called the producer hysterically crying because I was like, I have no idea what just happened in that show. Everything is happening too fast. So there wasn't necessarily, like, it, it wasn't a different show. There wasn't a lot of differences but I was able to build who they were separately before I brought them together. And I think that was really, really, really important. And um, I think it helped the show in spades. Uh, And then in terms of the five-year plan, uh, I always knew how I wanted to end the show. Um, And I also purposely ended this first season in a way where Jules' story, you got closure there because I was like, who knows? Um, I was right. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I think for Jules and Ophelia, that show would have evolved with everything that's happening in the world. So although I do know how I wanted it to end, and I'll say how I wanted it to end, I wanted it to end with Jules, uh, Ophelia going down for everything to give Jules the life that was taken away from her. Um... Uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they are best friends um, and if I continue it it is something that like I would build to and I would want to get to but that's like down the line years and years and years um, uh, I don't but yeah that, that's it <laughs> thank you 
Okay, I like that. Thank you. Uh, so this is for Jessica and Lennon. My best friend and I. Yeah. I was, no, no, no. <laughs> we haven't murdered anyone yet. But so my question is this. So we've been friends for a long time, um, but then you hit your 40s and shit gets crazy and sadness happens. Her husband has stage four cancer. My mom has Alzheimer's and passed away. We have kids, we work, we have husbands. You have all this stuff going on. And your husbands are great and all, but they're not... <laughs> they don't say the right thing sometimes. Or when, you know, they, they can't read you. And so sometimes she and I just... Will, I'll call her up, I'll say, hey, we need uh, playing house day. We get in bed and watch playing house. And that makes us feel better, honestly. But hashtag flawless. So my question is this, though. When you're... Um, I feel like so many other shows about friendship, for women in particular, it's always like, oh, you know, friendship for women is important, but it seems like it's kind of a placeholder because everyone's looking for a boyfriend or a husband. And I feel like even, like, Sex and the City or some of the more popular um, women friendship shows, I'm like, you know, that's not really... That sidebar, I feel like, is always there of man, this is great, and we're girlfriends, I'm going to call you, but if he calls me, I'm going to go over here with him. And so my question is, when you guys write, is that something that's in the, the back of your head that you're making sure that's not what we want? Because I, I love that it's, that it's not a part of the show. I don't know if that's something you actually think about when you're writing. Well, first of all, I thank you so much for sharing that. And like for me, TV was always something that I looked for for that comfort, you know, Gilmore Girls got me through a tough time. There's, you know, no short Anne of Green Gables. I mean, I'll throw that on, and my husband's like, oh, God, what happened? <laughs> and I'm like, eh, Anne. But, so thank you. I'm so glad we could be there for you, and, and I'm th that, that means everything. That's the I'm only straight reason we're doing crying. it. So I. I'm, like, losing my mind. And also, I'm so sorry about both of the tough things you guys are going through, because... <laughs> Listen, he'll get you through a scrape, I'll tell you. Yes. I love that. At, um, at, the truth is, is we never have to keep ourselves in check because we're writing about what we're living. And the truth of the matter is, Lennon saved my life. And when I would go to chemo, uh, I, I froze... Lennon froze me from head to toe like a choice piece of holiday meat because... <laughs> We were up to all sorts of like... Well, chemo, you know, it's, it's no joke. It's not great. And it's not fun. And nobody wants to be there. And everything's sad. And you're on drugs. And, then, and I wanted then you to have go to, like, alone. you your scalp so you could keep your hair. Because, God damn it, look at this hair. <laughs> right? So you want to keep it. She kept like 70% of it. So we froze her scalp and we were freezing her fingers and toes for neuropathy, et cetera. Eyelashes, eyebrows, the whole nine yards. Yeah, so I'm just feeding her Cheez-Its and reading her from old <laughs> Oprah magazines because that's what you do. You just show up, right? Like it's just, you, you just show up. And our husbands, yes, they, they are everything. wonderful and everything, yes. right? Our life partners and everything. But this is, you could, I mean, we couldn't do it. The Without, one thing like, I remember a, is... the other thing about women, yeah. too, which is you just, you just do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you show up. Like, when my daughter falls and knocks her fuck front, excuse me, front, <laughs> her front teeth because she's angry, she's throwing a tantrum and she slips on her mermaid dress. 
like who who gets in there and is like hold still so I can wash this everything's gonna be fine you know like the the mom right and the dads are great too but like the the dads the dads are good for uh, for awesome other things as well but, but they're built to take care women just, are built to take care of children and then they take care of each other in that same way and it's like you always know that but then when you hit your forties and shit starts to get real and you're like oh. Lennon showed up, and I didn't have to worry about Lennon. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew that she was there to take care of every need that I had in that moment, and I couldn't have been more vulnerable, you know? And I didn't have to worry about her, you know? We do, you know, there's a tendency, and we'll wrap this up, guys, but at the, <laughs> uh, at the end of the season, the tendency is always, like, what's going to happen between her and Mark, Right. Because that's the TV that we grew up watching. That, like, will they, won't she, won't they? Like, yeah. you And also, that. Keegan's sexy as hell. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you, you lean into that and you crave that as well. But we always, we're always like, but it's got to end with us, right? Because that's, that's, the, that's, that's the, the love romantic. story. That's, that's the, the love real story love story in the show, yeah. So yeah. we do remind ourselves from time to time, but it's not, we don't often forget. <clears throat> I was at a wake up comment. I was at a doctor's office and I, with my grandma getting allergy testing, and um, she, um, there was a box on the form for like marital status, and it felt real validating that there was one that said platonic life partner. And I was like, and I texted her, and I was like, because all we want to do is be spinsters together. And it's, and it was real. It was like a real nice like. Well, there's that. Like, oh, <laughs> Life partner panel, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we can go back there. Hi. Um, I just had a question for Mara because you talked a little bit about faith and on Girlfriends um, when Tony and Joan were in the church and Don McClurk was singing, that was like, it was no talking, but it was so powerful. And like, I've gone through a lot with my best friend. I mean, nothing as crazy as Tony, <laughs> but like, it just kind of had me thinking about that kind of stuff and like basically my question is is like how did that scene come to be and with him and singing it was it was so powerful yeah well, well th- first of all thank you it's one of my favorites of girlfriends and how it came to be was i mentioned earlier that the network asked for something big at the end of the first season and and then what's really saying is do you want your show to come back or not? And, you know, it was sort of like, we need something bigger. And I understood the business of it, as I shared before. I was driving, funny, driving, because we do live in L.A. I was driving, and when um, I was listening to Donnie McClurkin, I was actually, um, when, I'm, when I'm scared, a lot of times I'll listen to gospel music and things of that, that nature. But I was listening to his album, and I was trying to... It was a couple of questions I was asking myself. Am I going to play ball on this level? You can say, and who am I as a creator, showrunner, storyteller? Who am I? So I'm having that question with myself coupled with at the back of your mind. How do I give them what they want the way that I want to tell it? That's why I kept asking, how do I give them what they want my way? That was my prayer, listening, listening. And it was, I was, I can tell you exactly where I was. Anybody from Los Angeles? I was on San Vicente, headed toward the Beverly Center. <laughs> where all good ideas <laughs> yeah, yeah, come. Yeah, yeah, all, yeah. 
I was in um, right before Hauser. <laughs> the song came on. And I remember this because I had to pull over. And I cried because I figured it out. The whole first six episodes flashed in my head how to do this, how to do the finale in season one with Tony actually making a play for Jones' man and being that horrible, to your point, that's a lot to deal with. How can I let someone be that horrible on television? And I knew if I did it, I would get a second season. It would be a lot of chatter of maybe, I may have lost some people in between the two seasons, um, but I knew how to do it. And it was with Donnie McClurkin, and I, so I went in for the end of the season. I said, I can do this, but these are the terms in which I need to do it. And um, I said, I need Donnie McClurkin. I need to, I need to have him. It's going to be, I need to shoot on location, which is a big deal in that episode. You know, it's a, it's a technically, my in the original vision of Girlfriends, I wanted to be single camera, but they didn't give me the budget for single camera. But I always wrote it in that mind, and I had that spirit and that tone. But anyway, I asked for location, and I need to go to a church, and I needed Donnie McClurkin, and I needed, I needed that song cleared, and I needed to do it this way. And if we can't do it that way, then I really don't know if I can do that finale. And, and so that's how I got it done. Hi, I'm uh, Jessica and Lennon. I was just wondering, what have you learned about your in real life friendship by putting it on screen for everybody else to see? I talked about this in therapy recently. <laughs> <laughs> no joke, because, you know, so uh, this is obviously the most personal season because we talk about, we, you know, we're taking almost taking scenes from our real life and putting them. And before it was always, you know, I don't know the essence of that, but not the real thing. And so it feels even more vulnerable because it's us, because we're talking about our friendship, because we're writing about our friendship, because we're breaking a story about our... You know what I mean? Like, there's so many, like, filters that it has to go through, and it's so complicated, you know? And, And... our real family and friends who also went through this together also have their own personal experiences of it. So we're all, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's, I don't know who's doing that. You know what I mean? If you, if you go through a hard thing in your life, you usually just do it the once and then, you know, live with the grief that gets smaller every day, hopefully. And when we write about it, you know, you're churning it up, but it feels different and new every time you do that. And also we, I think, got, got through, because, you know, when you show up, you don't think about it. You're not processing it. You're not, you're not it, feeling the emotion, because you can't, because you just have to de- do, the, do the stuff. So I think that it, it helped us a lot. Yeah, also I think um, for me what was interesting was I... I was asleep for so much of this experience <laughs> because I was like literally when I went in and got rolled into surgery to get my new boobs, which are jamming. Um, yeah, you, you feel it. I looked right out that way. You feel it. Um, She'll show you. She's they're real phenomenal. Proud of them. If anyone wants to see them after, no joke, I will show you them. But. But I, I didn't know what it was like for the caretakers in my life, for my husband and my best friends and Lennon. 
Like, so in the scene, in the show, you know, they roll me out to surgery and, and Lennon, it's Maggie is left alone and has to deal with that feeling. And so for me, I really got a more of an insight as to what it was like for Lennon to be a caretaker to me. And I, and, and it is not a great job to have. Well, no, I mean, it's terrifying. Uh, you know, we've all been in a hospital waiting room. Uh, maybe you haven't and God bless you. But it is a very specific feeling, a very, you know... So that was something that I thought was... I had not seen. Oh, the person going into surgery and then, like, the doctor... You know, like, you don't just see that, like, awkward waiting (laughs) that, you know, or the person who's waiting because you're always thinking about the person that's in surgery. So that was something. Because I remember there being... My dad had a kidney transplant, and I remember that basically the entire church showed up in the waiting room just for me and my mom, you know? So that's, that's something that we were trying to capture. The greatest moment was they texted, my husband texted Lennon because the doctors came out and were so upset that my actual boobs were so small that they were trying to find an implant that was the same size. They had but ordered an implant that was too big because they just did it with eyes. And you know? a Sicilian grandmother in their 80s had had bigger boobs than me that they had operated on. So, so, so my husband's like, oh my God, Lennon, they're going to be bigger when she wakes up. Do you think she's going to be upset? And Lennon just texted back, oh, she's going to be all right. <laughs> But that's another thing. God, we talk so much. That's another thing is that, is, is that she, you know, she wouldn't let me come to the surgery. No, I did not. She told me in the basement of Netflix. <laughs> um, that's a long story. But the, the, par- the parking lot below Netflix, uh, she told me that she could not have me at the surgery. And I was like, What? Well, I didn't say it like that. I was like, yeah, you got it. Whatever, whatever is good for you is clever for me, Trevor. You know, or something insane. Because she said to me that she just needed to be strong, and if she saw me, she would lose it. So she just needed to focus on the task at hand. And I was like, Dan, can I just show up right after she goes into surgery, and then I'll get out of there before she comes out? But I just want to be there just in case anything goes down, you know? And then uh, and he, did, he was like, no, I'd rather be by myself. Totally cool. And then the next day when you were coming home, I, w- I just showed up at the recovery center. I was like, I'm just going to... I'm already here, guys, so nobody yeah. can... So there were, there, there were moments the like season, that we were learning Keegan about. And I tell Mark to not come to this. So a lot of times you'll see a scene between two characters and we're really... It's something that happened to Lenny, but we put it... Anyway, boring. Snooze. Let's keep going. <laughs> Um, okay, so real quickly before we go, how many people are here with their best friends today? Just some hands. Oh. Okay, that's amazing. I love that. I just think, like, and that's the thing that I actually don't know how much you guys recognize, and I think you're hearing it a lot today, but, like, the thing about watching best friends on television is it actually gives you something that you relate to and you can aspire to, so thank to all of you for giving us that. Thank you to the volunteers of ATX. They are the best. Yes, they deserve your love and your praise. Thank you to Kevin. Thank you to Jessica. Thank you to Lennon. Thank you to Mara. Thank you to Jennifer. Thank you to all of you so much for being here. And guys, enjoy the rest of your festival. Thank you. Now leaving Nerdist.com.